think our willingness to learn how each other wanted to be communicated with instead of our desire to be right, I think is probably one of the most important building blocks that we've built. This is your Badass Journey podcast. I am Kareen Walsh, serial entrepreneur, growth strategist, executive leadership coach, and best-selling author. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you align what you love with what you do in order to build that badass life and business you dream of. Welcome, everybody, to your Badass Journey podcast. I am so excited to share today's conversation with you because these two individuals who are an amazing couple, amazing business builder... They literally have navigated the way for so many to achieve greatness in their own life that I had to have them on the show because they have had impact in mine. And to find the time to even carve out an hour with them was just so amazing because this, this is just a conversation that I know you're going to benefit from. So today's guests are Lori and Chris Harder. Lori Harder is a former fitness model. She's won fitness competitions. She built her brand based on being a part of network marketing company and also then pivoted to leverage what she did and learned through building her network marketing business to building her brand, her event a series called The Bliss Project. She's a best-selling author of A Tribe Called Bliss. And she's literally announces today on this podcast a new endeavor she's getting into, which is the Event Love Train the Trainer program that you're going to hear all about. But truly, what Lori is at heart, she's a, she's a heart of service. She's a visionary. She loves to ignite who you are, what your purpose is, what you want to go after, get you all started and clear on that to then go through and connect with her husband, Chris, who's all about strategy, execution, finding the practical way to achieve what it is you want, and then exponentially grow it in whatever method works best in the market that you're in. Chris Harder had about um, uh, many years in banking. And when the market crash happened, he then joined Lori in and building her brand first before then establishing his brand for the Love of Money podcast, which you have to listen to. And Lori's podcast is called Earn Your Happy. But Chris's podcast started to bring in the concepts of earning and giving back. And And the conversations are so amazing. You have to listen to his podcast as well. So that you can start getting a healthier relationship with what it means to manage your money mindset, manage what's happening in the bank, managing how you want to invest. And he's now built his brand and his businesses helping others do the same. So there's the For the Love of Money Elite Mastermind, which I'm a part of and I absolutely love. It has elevated how I do business, how I connect with others, how I show up with like-minded people so that we can exponentially grow together. 
He also, with Lori, has created the For the Love of Money Fast Foundations Mastermind, which um, has made amazing strides in helping people who want to go into an entrepreneurial life but not quite sure how to get it started, how to go about constructing it and putting out into the world. That's what the Foundations program is all about. Really, the two of them are entrepreneurs at heart in in the line of impact. And they really want to make sure that their contribution is a pay-it-forward moment. Um, They're super generous and they're a lot of fun. So I know you're going to enjoy today's conversation. You can connect with Lori and Chris. They're, They're on Instagram. Uh, most of the time. And so it's at Lori Harder. And for Chris, it's at Chris W. Harder. In order to follow them and communicate with them and share this podcast, the fact that you listen to it with all of us when you're on Instagram. And do not hesitate to subscribe to the rest of the podcast and, and post your review. It's literally how this podcast gets seen and heard by others is the way you provide feedback as my listener. And you know, I appreciate the heck out of you. But I know you're, um, I'm not going to delay anymore. Let's jump into the conversation. And I can't wait to hear your comments, feedback, reviews at the end. Uh, it's just... I love them to death, these two. And I'm so glad to be able to, to share them with you. Enjoy today's conversation. Welcome everybody to today's episode. I'm so excited to share Lori and Chris Harder with you. Welcome, Lori and Chris. Hey, we're excited hey, to be on. How are you? Thank you so much for having us. This is so awesome. It's really uh, an amazing uh, journey we've been on together even the last few years as, as we've witnessed each other's businesses grow and as we've witnessed how we drive impact and want to be, you know, contributing members of the business society, right? Like of trying to be savvy business players, but it wasn't always the case, right? I believe we all have journeys that got us here. And the way I love to start out the show so that listeners who are new to you, and I talk about you guys all the time, so I'm sure they know a little bit (laughs) about you already. But um, if you could individually share how you actually decided to go down an entrepreneurial path and got to where you are today? Because I know that wasn't always the case in, in especially the beginning of your career life. You know, I think I'll go first because I'll do a really high level overview, like cliff notes. And then Lori's the type that loves to add meat on the bones. So <laughs> I think it'd be a good order to go anything. Yeah, go ahead. So how did we get here today? I mean, it's been a roller coaster of a journey. And uh, we're both Midwest born and raised. And the great thing about coming from the Midwest is you're given like really good work ethic, good family values, those really good foundational things that are probably most important in life. But then if you can take those things to one of the coasts where all the action is actually going on, it's like the perfect one-two punch to be successful. But the journey from point A to point B, because that's where we are now, out here in LA, has just been a wild ride. I was kicked out of college. Um, my parents were devastated. I was excited. I got a job in the car industry where I learned sales and leadership. And I feel like if you can learn those two things, you can write your own ticket. And then I got into the big banking boom that was starting to happen. And I flew up through the ranks there and everything was amazing until the recession hit. And that was like the first big jarring moment of my adult life where not only did I have to spend a year flying around closing down branches, but then it became my turn to take a demotion of a demotion of a demotion of a demotion or a severance package. I took the severance package and ran. Now, here's the problem. 
Um, I was young and arrogant and ignorant. So I was living a life and running our finances beyond what we were actually earning. So we've made a great living, yet we were living beyond that living. And so we lost everything when I took that severance package because I was a primary breadwinner. And uh, so we paid out, you know, tried to pay down all of our debts, uh, short sold our home, got rid of our rental properties, had to get, uh, get rid of the cars, like everything to start from below zero. Now here's, in the moment, there was nothing good feeling about it. But here's the good part about when you start from below zero, you get to choose again. And that is when I chose entrepreneurship. That is when I chose that I wanted to show up differently in life. That is when I chose um, that I wanted to lead with things that are far more important instead of uh, from ego. And that's kind of the cliff notes as to how we end up here today. And then Lori has a, a very beautiful, different view of that journey because you know she was looking at it from her perspective. Mm. Okay, so I, you know, this is always... I think this is always one of the most important parts for people to hear, but I do think there's so many pieces to people's story that it's almost impossible to really share all of the pieces because it's never just one turning point. It's a million different turning points. It's a million different failures turned wins and lessons. So for me, I'm from a really small town. I did not know I was going to be an entrepreneur. I... It just basically was raised to work hard and that was it. And I was uh, raised in a more restrictive religion and college was not in the cards for me. It was never talked about. In fact, it was, you're not going to go to college. You're just going to go, you're going to go preach. And that's pretty much what my life was going to be. And while that's beautiful, I had something inside of me that was so big, but I didn't know what that was at all. No clue. I just knew that it was coming in the form of really big waves of frustration and anxiety. It's, it's like, I couldn't even put a name on it. I just knew I wasn't doing something that I was supposed to be doing. And in my mind growing up, this was really confusing to me because I was doing all the things in that religion, but I was very unhappy and really confused. And I thought, what's wrong with me? Why am I feeling this way? Well, as I got older and started to uncover different things, it was because I was supposed to be living into a, a different purpose. And how that first purpose came, because I believe that purpose pivots all the time. And I think that we get stuck and we feel pain because we don't pivot when our purpose pivots. And we think that that one thing is going to be the one thing forever. So my first purpose came in the form of helping people with a transformation through health and fitness, because that was when my very first transformation for myself started. And that was through health and fitness, because I came from a, um, a really overweight family. We didn't do the habits that made us feel good. So a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. I discovered working out when my sister started working out at about, I did my first workout video when I was like, eight years old or something. And she was, you know, doing workout VHS or beta or whatever it was at the time. So for me in my early twenties, that's when I was like, okay, what, you know, what am I good at? I don't have anything. I haven't done anything. I have no education. What's the one thing that I know. And the one thing that I knew how to help people uh, with, because I needed to start helping people that was really becoming clear to me, which I know a lot of your listeners feel that call too. Like I just need to help people with something was health and fitness. I did not feel ready to do it. Um, so actually in my early twenties, when I first married Chris or got together with Chris, I did not feel ready. I didn't feel, I didn't feel worthy. I didn't believe in myself. So even though I got certified 
twice. I think I got certified twice. I still didn't use that certification because this is what I would say to him. I'm like, I'm afraid that if I get certified, my first client is going to be a doctor and they're going to like know that I'm a fraud. Like that stopped me for so many years. So I just lived with that anxiety. Well, fast forward, I have these certifications. I'm helping all my friends with fitness, you know, so that I'm not being too intimidated. We lose everything in our careers. We lose our house. We lose our cars. We're in debt. Our back is up against the wall. So truly what ended up happening is my next purpose of opening a gym, but still using that health and fitness and actually using those certifications came out of necessity. So we had no other choice. And I said to him, you know, I had already gone through bankruptcy with my parents once growing up, like losing everything, having to move, losing a house. Then this happened again in my marriage. I was like, this is not going to happen to us again. Like that was one thing I was so clear on is that I was so upset and so frustrated that I knew that we couldn't put our fate in the hands of someone else's company or whatever that looked like that we had to, even if we were, you know, if we lost everything it would be because we made the choice or put everything in one spot. So that's really where it came out of for me. And as that started to pivot from, you know, I own my own gym into noticing that I can't get results for people if they're not changing their mindset. And also I had a lot of anxiety at the time still, and I was learning how to cope with that through self-development. I was doing a lot of events. I was meeting a lot of different people who were helping me work through a lot of just past things and noticing how this was dramatically changing my entire life um, and how the people I was hanging around was changing my life. And that's when I pivoted into self-development. And this was like shocking to basically the people and coaches I was working with because they were like, what the hell are you doing? Like, who do you think you are to go be the self-development person? Do you think you're a psychologist or whatever? I'm like, I'm just teaching what I'm doing and what I know. So now we're pivoting again. So I think it's just, uh, you know, I didn't know that we, I was going to be an entrepreneur. I didn't know we were going to be doing this. It's kind of like, we always followed the things that were in our sphere at the time. Like, what are we using that's making us feel better? What are we doing that's making us feel better? What do we know and how can we help people even if we're only a couple steps ahead of them? And I think when you lose everything, you realize that you just have, you stop caring about opinions because you're at the bottom. So we kind of learned to put all opinions aside because you can't live to make everyone else happy. You'll never be happy. So that's really where it came out of. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And thank you for both sharing um, pivotal moments for when you actually did need to pivot and rediscover how you wanted to show up in each moment. Because a lot of the times life is a continuum. Right. Mm -hmm. And so many times we get caught up in that like one way, one thought, one direction. And if it's not this, then I'm a complete failure. I'm a fraud. I'm an imposter, whatever that looks like. And the fact that, you know, you both come from different backgrounds, found each other at a time to um, almost feed off each other's needs each time. And I see because I've, I've witnessed it even in the space with you too, that you have a really good, amazing, method now. I'm not sure if it was always the case. So I would love to hear this journey too of how best to communicate each of your directions that you'd like to take and make sure that each, each party is heard and how to navigate into that next venture. Because you're, you are the most adventurous couple I know when it comes to diving into something new, especially if it's going to have impact on the other side, like you're all in. But I know that there's also a behind the scenes activity that occurs before you actually step forward into it. And I would love for you also to share some of that with us. Yeah, for sure. So you know, we've got a couple of policies, if you will, uh, in our life, in our marriage that 
really help with the first part of your question. And the first one is this. We've agreed that we'll always try something on her size. Uh, no matter how crazy it might seem, no matter how scary it might seem, time after time after time, once we've adapted this way of being, uh, instead of judging each other's uh, idea, instead of judging each other's desire, we're committed to trying it on for size. Now, if it's not a fit, that's perfect, perfectly okay. But two things happen. One, when you're always willing to try it on for size, the other person feels seen, right? And they mm-hmm. feel valued. And number two, most of the time, it works out pretty good. Most of the time, it turns out to be a fit and it's a brand new cool thing in your life or a new business or a new idea or a new tradition or a new habit that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And so first and foremost, we've made this agreement to always try it on for size. And and I think the second thing is we really had to nail down communication when I came home from banking and said, hey, babe, let's roll up our sleeves and, and grow your brand together. Because I was used to you know, a very masculine atmosphere of hierarchy. And I would always take the quickest route to a message possible, very efficient. And that it wouldn't land on Lori well. And so it wouldn't matter if what I was saying was right or wrong, because if it wasn't said in a way that she could receive it, then it might as well have been totally wrong and, and worth nothing, you know, in, in its value. So we had to sit down. And once we realized that, you know, communication was a nightmare, we had to sit down and literally be intentional about role-playing it and, I, and saying to her, you know, Lori, when I have to bring up things that are a trigger for you, if it's sales or if it's the budget or if it's a marketing, uh, where we're at in marketing or something, then how should I bring it up? How do you want it to sound? And when's the best time to bring it up? And when shouldn't I bring it up? And then we would role-play Like, what should it sound like? Oh, no, Chris, when you say it that way, it triggers me. Mm-hmm. And so I think our willingness to learn how each other wanted to be communicated with instead of our desire to be right, I think is probably one of the most important building blocks that we've built inside. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things. And even just when I would bring it up around, you know, and I I would say things too that he'd be like, you know, when you say that, it it puts me on the defense or makes me feel this way or makes me feel like I'm not being a good provider or whatever that conversation looks like, that's been so important. And we still hold that, every single day now. And what I will tell people on communication is if you don't make a space for communication every day, it's never going to work because if you're like, great, I'll start communicating, but you haven't carved out a daily space for it. And I'll talk more on that in a second. It's never going to feel right to be like, Oh, we need to sit down and talk. That's crappy. Whenever people say that, I am like, Oh my God, what's wrong? There's nothing worse than someone saying that to you to make you just feel sick for the day. Right. And it's like ready to be sideswiped right now. Cause that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh my God. So we, um, you know, with the people that you either work with or that you, that your, your partners, or you know your partners in business or your spouse. Like every day we have a walk. And that is a time that we have carved out that's going to be one-on-one. We're going to be side by side. It's going to feel less intimidating. We're not sitting directly across from each other. We can bring up a lot more that way, I find. Yeah. Um, you know, because men tend to even communicate better like side by side rather than face to face, especially with tough stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, even for me, it feels better. It feels easier. So for him and I, we have a spot every day that is an hour long walk. And I can tell you that even if in the first 30 minutes, it's just like, you don't want to say it or whatever. The, the person can start to tell like, Hey, what's up? Is something wrong? You're a little off today. You want to share how are you feeling or whatever that is. So we always end up sharing like a, a really 
we try to have it be in a loving way. Like give yourself some space to let it process. If you're not ready to talk about it yet, like give yourself some time. But, you know, I was talking to some parents who have this really freaking awesome relationship with their kids. And I was like, how do you guys have such an open, beautiful, communicative relationship where it's like, you guys aren't, you know, you're not trying to be like best friends, but they tell you at, like, they tell them everything, like the nitty gritty, the dirty, all of it. And they were like, we carve out space every single day to talk. Like at the dinner table, we make a space every day to ask questions. Like, how's it going? You guys want to share anything? You good or what? And that's the norm. So they sit down and they end up, like they said, pretty much everything ends up coming up because they know that's the time and the place to share and they feel better when they do it. And they said, and this is huge for Chris and I too, they don't react right away, even when things hit them and they're like, did my child just say they tried smoking a cigarette? Like, yeah, they yeah. don't react. They give themselves some time because they want to keep that space somewhere that's really open where they can share. We do that on our walks too. Like sometimes he'll say stuff to me that I'm like, I am going to lose my shit right now. And I'm like, no, I don't want to ever block that like, you know, role of communication in our life. So yes, does it happen sometimes? Yes. And then we have more space on the walk to fix it or talk about it. But if you don't give yourself that space, it's not going to start. So even if that's a team meeting every Monday, or if that's with your partner, a sit down, you know, dinner as much as you possibly can, where you're focused on talking about what you need to talk about. And that is going to be like your golden ticket to everything in every relationship. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like I've even practiced it as as I've led teams or even even with new clients I onboard, especially on the corporate side where like the energy and the stiffness is in the office space. Uh, it's let's go for a walk, like let's go grab a coffee. And and you actually, I get way more information about what's really going on, <laughs> like when yes. we're in motion together. Because the thing is about being in motion together, that walking sensation that makes you breathe more than you normally would if you're sitting and you're like, you know, if, if you get hit with an emotional reaction to what someone else says and you're holding your breath in that, mm-hmm. like you can't really do that well while in motion. <laughs> you kind of keep the breathing mm-hmm. to keep the walking, right? And so it helps the mind function better <laughs> as well, right? It just reminded me, like I've, I've been on walks with Chris, well, he'll, he'll have said something and uh, like it just... I will like all of a sudden start like power walking and be like leave him in the dust and he's like um, where are you going right now I'm like away from you yeah and I just like you know let him catch up for that block yeah but yeah I move it through my system so and, yeah so it's a great space even for me when my husband and I do that too it's like I find because he's a very he elongates his storytelling sometimes. And, and so for me, it tests my patience at times because I'm like, I, I'm like, come on. <laughs> like, let's get to the point. I definitely have uh, my masculine energy definitely comes out in these moments, you know, and I'm just like, let's get to the point. But, yes. but the walking helps me because I'm like, at least a, I start telling myself, at least I'm moving my body. <laughs> like, like you'll get to it eventually. I love you. Like, that's all, you know, like all the, the things. So I can really listen too, because I think there's an amazing listening skill that gets turned on also when you're in motion, you know? Oh, so I yeah. think those are great, great tips to share with folks listening on 
when it, uh, the consistency part too, I don't want to overshadow that either of, of what you said. It's like you guys do this daily, like without fail, unless one of you's traveling. And then it's something that, um, you have shared with all the people you know that it's the one way you guys connect, not only as partners in life, but in, in the entrepreneurial spirit of things too. Is this, is this the time of day where you actually are transitioning as well so that you're not on all the time entrepreneurially? Yeah. So Karine, I think what you just brought up is so important to really drive home to anybody listening is this isn't something that most of the time happens. This is something we build our day around. Mm-hmm. So to answer your, your last question, it's always at the end of our workday, but here's how we make sure it happens. Uh, when we wake up in the morning, I'll say, Lori, what time's your day done? Or she'll say, Chris, what time's your day done? I'll say, ah, six o'clock. What about you? She'll say 6.30. And we'll say, great. Then our walk is at 6.45. And I'll throw it in my calendar, knowing that that is the end of the workday. Yeah, we might do work after that, but it's the, the separator. It's the container that's going to be provided for us to come together as a couple again. And um, it's such a non-negotiable that not only do we plan our day around it like that, but we'll, we do it in the rain. We do it like when we're tired and don't want to go. We do it when we're super crabby. It's the most important time to do it. It is that container happens no matter what each and every single evening. Yeah, we do it when there's no time because yeah. we know that that's all made up. Like yeah. you're going to sit home and if you're already tired and you've been grinding or you have a launch or whatever that looks like and you're like, I have no time and I need to finish this and there's a deadline. Like, unless the deadline is like that night, like even if the deadline is the next morning, I'm like, you're going to feel more reset after this and you're going to have more energy after this. So we'll talk to each other in that way. Like, even if it's just, you know, 30 minutes or 20 minutes, like you need to go and reset and move. Um, and you're going to come home and be like, Oh, that was totally made up in my mind. I have more time. I feel better. I have more energy. My thoughts are more clear. I was totally stressing myself out. So you need to go get out of the environment that's stressing you out, even if it's for 20 minutes and come back and reassess. Yeah, I love that. And I I, I think it's something that uh, can be done even in smaller increments of time, even, you know, like for for that check-in, for the, the conversation to happen so that things don't also fester or get forgotten or feel neglected. And there's this continuous... Uh, method of what you can lean on. It just builds certainty also yeah. into, into how you choose to connect and build together. Uh, I know that between the two of you, you have several different businesses and projects and methods of which you not only operate, but um, drive impact you know, through, through the work you do. And I was listening actually, Lori, to one of your podcasts. I think you just released it. It was... It was Episode, I believe it was 399. I wrote it down so I would remember. And I'll, I'll put it in our show notes so folks can listen to it also. But it's, it was about confidence. And it was the Beyonce moment. Yes. <laughs> and, and what I love that you said, because you two can choose not to work. Really, you've you've built yourself uh, uh, your wealth up to a space where it's really a choice right now what you what you want to put out into the world. But that wasn't always the case. You shared the story about how you lost everything and you had to rebuild it all, and you started to build Lori's branding first, Lori's offering first, and and you partnered on that. I would love for you to share between the two of you, like how did how did that 
go initially when you first started to launch a business together? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then now that you both have independent brands and, and dual projects, I'll call it, I'll, I'll say it that way, right? On offerings, you know, where is it today? So what was that journey like in testing out the roles you like to play in business, the roles you like to play, you know, as you build it and, and really make sure you're, you're having that impact you're looking for? Well, you know, we already talked about the communication. That was the absolute first roadblock and fundamental building block that we had to get down. Second to that, though, was really learning to play to our strengths, mm-hmm. our individual strengths, and to not try and duplicate what the other person was already good at, especially if it was our weakness. And there's an efficiency that happens when you partner together and you say, okay, Lori, you're good at ABC. I'm good at X, Y, and Z. So I'll cover X, Y, and Z. You cover A, B, and C. And then anything that's not covered, delegate it out. When you can really trust that type of system and not double check each other's work and trust that the other person is going to really handle A, B, and C or X, Y, and Z to their fullest ability, that's when you become really, really efficient. Mm -hmm. It's when you're double checking each other's work. It's when you think you can do it better. It's when you you have ego involved. So you feel like, you have to appear as though you've got your hand in everything. That's when it doesn't work out at all. And so I really just think that playing to our strengths is such a key. I, I want to just piggyback off what he said, because it's so incredibly important to understand what that means to trust the other person. And I think lack of trust does come from that place of thinking that you can do it better. And, he, and here's the thing about relationships in general, and especially if you see that they are getting results, but maybe you think... I could get better results or they're missing this part or he's not coaching them on this part or whatever that looks like. You have to know that you only have so much energy and also they have amazing gifts. Like they were put on this planet and what they're saying, even though it might not be what you're saying or the way that you would coach might be exactly what that person actually needs at that time. So you have to trust enough to let go that even if you would have said a million other things in a million different ways, you have to trust that the way that your partner is saying it is the best way right now for them and let that be okay. Mm. Because in the beginning I was like, oh, you know, these, these women in network marketing, they need all this confidence and they need to be coddled in this way and that way. And Chris was so straightforward that I was like, so afraid he was turning them off, like, or they wouldn't get what they needed or whatever that was. And lo and behold, you know, down the road, they were getting everything that they needed. And, you know, when I could get on calls, great, you know, they got extra or whatever, but I had to completely let go and know that in the beginning, here's what I had to say to myself, like, look, done is better than perfect. Because in the beginning, you don't trust. You just don't. I'm going to be honest. You think you're better or you could do it better. But guess what? You will bottleneck yourself and you will bottleneck your business. And it's not actually the truth. So you need to be able to trust your partner and you need to start seeing how amazing their way is, even though it's completely opposite of yours. So for me now, I can like, you know, in the beginning, I would listen to Chris because he was so straightforward and I used to be so worried about opinions and what people would think. And is that too, you know, harsh or brash or whatever? And now I'm like, I can listen to him and just be in awe of like how his message hits people and how important that part is too. And how amazing it is that we have the most opposite messages and why that's so vital and how he attracts the people who need him at the time. And, you know, a a lot of the people don't want to hear my message because they need something a little more 
like, you know, straight into the point or they need something about money or whatever that looks like. So I guess what I want everybody to know is like, you got to just let go and you got to trust people. And whether this is your partner or whether it's someone that you hire, you're never going to feel like it is done the way that you want it done. And unless it's like they are destroying something in the beginning, like you just need to let them do their thing and you need to see where the cards fall and get feedback from that and then start deciding. Yeah. And have the the continuous evaluation or assessment on is it is still the right fit or is it going in the direction that we mean to go and and what should we tweak? What can we enhance? What should we let go of? Like I love sharing those skills with people because a lot of the times, even if you for a period of time say, let's wait and see or let's let's try this out, there has to be an evaluation point to, to yes. make sure you're not going totally, you know, in the wrong direction and then the frustration and the festering continues. And 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 knowing that the two of you have very distinct zones of genius, how do you define each of your zones of genius and, and how they play off each other well? Ah, interesting. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my zone of genius is I I can tell you with a high degree of accuracy who's going to be successful and who's not, and who we should surround ourselves with and, and who we shouldn't. Whether that comes to team building, whether it comes to collaboration, whether it was back in the day when I was hiring everybody at the mortgage bank, like I can really hone in on who's going to be a home run and, and who doesn't have what it takes. And so I've been able to, to bank on that superpower to create tribe to make us really, really successful because it hasn't been like individual talent. It's been, been put the right people in place. Mm. Yeah, most definitely. He's he's a, just a genius at coaching. Honestly, he's so good at just bringing people through. I, I like to call it a, like Death Valley, where people uh-huh. need that guide for that idea and bringing it through to reality and getting them to implement, you know, systems and hire the people that they need. I am my zone of genius is enrolling people in an, in on their idea and getting them to take action. So initial, like I'm the initial, like if fire starter, like I'm the igniter. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and to be honest, in the beginning, when we first started network marketing, like I wanted to be the whole journey. And when I really got into playing my role of just being the igniter, we brought in way more people and then I would hand them off. It was like, Oh, I see. I see what I'm great at. Like I can enroll in the vision. I can inspire people to take that initial action. And then I need some help along the way. I need some people who are going to help pull those people through because that's where I lose interest is I'm like, okay, great. So I don't really want to talk about your strategy much. Like, (laughs) yeah, you're the creator. I do want to talk about the journey after you're first ignited. Like I want to take you on the journey of accepting that every day is going to carry some pain and that every day is going to carry a problem and that you're getting into this because you are an entrepreneur and you are meant to solve problems every day. If there weren't problems every day, you wouldn't have a job as an entrepreneur. So I get really excited talking about getting over the fear and anxiety and that initial, like just doing whatever the hell you want. Yeah. And then do you feel do you feel that the combination then of your two zones of genius and like how you figured out the connection between it? So like just the example you gave, the handoff process. Uh, you know, you ignite and you know, Chris 
strategizes and helps with the implementation. And you're, you're, you, what I love about both of you is that you're, you're both guides to the process. You're not going to step in and do it for anybody. And that's really beautiful too, that you realize that about yourself. Because I think a lot of the times when we do have the skill, we want to like jump in and do it for, for folks to help it happen faster. Mm-hmm. But when you figured that out, like when you had that rhythm, obviously it started as you built up your network marketing business, but then you know you launched the Bliss Project, and then you know Chris now has the For the Love of Money Mastermind, and now you have Fast Foundations together. How do you weave in your your true innate zone of genius is the best way for me to call it into everything you do, and then now scale because you got so many things going on to add that energy into the team you build and how you continue to build your businesses. Well, you said the magic word, and that's team, right? The, the, mm-hmm. the, the next level is building team and building the right team. And it's a never a process that's done, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, you find the right person and, and they're so right that they're going to grow into another position. And if yeah. you don't have that position, then of course they're going to leave you. Or you find the right people and that causes growth in your company. And because you have growth in your company, now you have to add another one or two FTE, right? So it's really finding the right teammates and trusting them to be good at what they're good at. The same way we learned to trust each other with what we're good at. You know, um, Dakota, one of our teammates, you know Dakota, mm-hmm. once said to me recently, she's like, wow, I had this breakthrough moment where I realized just how much freedom you're actually giving me to make these really big decisions. And for me, that was a really proud moment that she realized that. Um, I think she said it from being overwhelmed and excited. But the the (laughs) point is, I can't... If I'm checking in on everything, if I'm okaying everything, if I'm like the checks and balances at a a micro level instead of a macro level, I'm not going to get anything done. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to find the right people. You've got to delegate. And you've got to trust, but verify, right? And uh, there's an old Reagan quote there, trust, but verify. And if you can do that, then you can scale to really any level that you want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's the, the key word is team. And also, I just want to add, you know, I, I used to have this really limiting belief that actually it can really hold people back is getting stuck in thinking they're going to like find their team and it's going to be like set like, Oh, we're finally locked in. We finally have our people that we need to move forward. It's never going to feel that way. By the way, you're going to get your team and they're all going to leave. <laughs> you're going to, it's going to surprise you. You're going to think that you have your team on lock. You're going to think they're the best people in the world. And then they're going to leave because they got a better opportunity or they want to be an entrepreneur or whatever that looks like. You're going to be you're going to take too long in being hurt in whatever that looks like. You need to always be adding to your team. You need to know that everybody's in transition as well as you at all times. You need to be looking for where your cracks are. Because Right now we have a couple that we're going to be hiring for. Um, and you need to keep, I think, fresh energy in that team. Like bring new people in. You know, Make sure that you are bringing in people who make uh, your team want to work really hard too, because that also makes us want to work really hard when new people are there. Just checking in with it, it, it's crazy because team nothing will make you grow like having to hire people because it will make you look at who you are. You know, when we go have team meetings with my team, all it does is make me be like, "Am I being good enough for them?" Uh, and I just heard a great podcast this morning. Uh, something that Gary V said. He said, "You know, I think people come from a place of like 
you know, what is my team doing for me? But he said, if you come from a place of what am I able to do for my team? Like what, what amazingness can I give to them? What opportunities can I give to them? I mean, what does that make you do? It makes you want to grow. Yeah. It makes you want to create different things for them. So for us, if we want to get anywhere, we have to have team. And like, I'm no dummy. Like with if our team got stripped away tomorrow, we'd be at a standstill for a little bit. So you have to always be aware that that can happen. And you also have to know like, how are you going to move forward if that happens? And you have to surround yourself with awesome people if you think you want to move. Like you can be a solopreneur for just a little bit. You're going to reach your cap and you're going to need to hire before you feel ready. Yeah. And, and it is. It's it, the way you choose to lead your business. In, and if you want to grow and scale, you have to bring those practices in to allowing your team to grow and scale with you. Or it's time for the divine separation. Like they've outgrown the position or, or you've outgrown you know, the situation of your business. You need a different expertise in play. It's really great to have a continuous eye on it all but also know that like the prioritization of what decisions to make when on how it hits that bottom line right and and how it actually aligns with the next level that what you see forward because you both are visionaries too on what you want next and and what you want to put into the world and i know you have great projects new projects going on right now that you want to make sure well i want to make sure that we share with our listeners too um uh, because there's obviously you know chris and Lori have an amazing podcast individually they kind of join each other at times so you guys better listen to them too and the businesses though, the when you can get into the room with either of them, that is like the highest level of impact. And I've been honored to share space with them for a, for a while. They were on my vision board. And I don't, I think you guys know this, but like three years ago, I put Chris and Lori on my vision board at a dinner table with me. And it was last year that I was able to have that dinner and it came true because they have been such a shining light. So uh, in the moment, yeah, yeah, it was so cool. I mean, I was like all the clamps and like teary eyes. Like when, <laughs> when I realized it, you know, like that was, and it's been great. We've, we've broken bread, you know, a few times since, which has been awesome. But really, truly like the now vision that you have and what you're putting out there now, could you share with our listeners what you have going on? Oh, I'm kind of all like teary eyed because I'm just one of the moments that I just love so much is hearing that because that's so me. Like I did that for so long. And, and honestly, now you're all on my vision board. Like, how can I be a part of these epic, like you're doing such epic things, Kareem, like so many people, your name has come up in so many conversations for us. It's insane. So to be able to even have a small role of that is just so cool. Like to be on the journey, right? Because yeah, exactly. at the end of the day, no matter what people are thinking right now, like whether you have big goals or whatever that looks like, like it really is the process. Um, you have to fall in love with the process of the connections and the building and the not knowing and the hoping. And I can tell you, you know, from people who have really reached a lot of their goals and dreams. And believe me, we're, we have so many more, but I'll tell you that it's never about that moment of like, Oh, you got your dream house. Cause you settle into it. Right. It's about yeah. like, what was the process of hoping and what was the process of dreaming and moving in and thinking of your colors and all of that other thing, all of those other things. But as far as, um, next projects, cause that's what you asked, right. I'm tangenty. It's all good um, girl. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, well, there's a couple of things that we're doing. I actually just started a company, but I'm going to share more on that later. later. So maybe we'll yeah. do a round two of that. This. I love it. 
Um, can't share too much on that, but what I can share is a new project that I'm so excited about. Um, it's going to be middle of October in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I am partnering with another woman who does events and we are doing a train the, uh, train the trainer type of event certification program for anybody who wants to run profitable events. This means if you want to add retreats, if you want to add, if you want to do a big event, um, if you want to do workshops, if you basically want to add this to an existing business or if you want this to be your business because I see way too many people having events that they are not profiting from or that's not getting the word out there or they're wasting so much money in certain areas. Believe me, we did it. This is why we want to do it. Um, And it's also for people to really craft their message and for people who are already speakers who want to feel even more confident or for people who don't have the confidence yet but they know this is what they want to do. So we're actually turning the people who are coming to it into the facilitators for parts of the day. So at one point they will be facilitating something, whether that's a talk or a meditation or, um, you know, bringing people through something that they love to do at a workshop where they'll all be learning this and they'll get workbooks that they will know how to run an event. They'll know the flow. They'll know the structure. They'll know a bunch of different exercises that they can use. It's kind of like an event in a box if they want to add it to their existing business or start a business around it. It's so needed. And it, because I, I've, I've obviously witnessed the events that you've put on and also some of your counterparts, the people you do partner with, um, in order to have just an amazing connection in the space. You know, yes. so if anyone listening wants to host an epic event and leverage the lessons learned, because Lori has been doing this for years and Chris, like you guys have been on several stages and, and witnessed what works really well. And also the things that you should never touch, do, feel, see, <laughs> or create, right? Like those are the yes. beauties too. Like so, so you get the best of the best in this. And I can't wait. The, when when we'll share, we'll share all the information on it on how people can find out more um, once once you have that ready. And we'll put it definitely a, a, with the show notes. How about for you, Chris? What are you focused on lately and and putting out into the world? I'm still loving my podcast, right? And it's only two years old. So I think I'm going to add a third episode a week. Um, you know, right now I've got my solo episode and then I've got the one where I, I interview multiple seven figure earners and, and share that common thread of generosity and success. But there's a beautiful white space in the middle where I want to interview entrepreneurs that are towards the middle or beginning middle of their journey so that people can really relate with someone who's exactly where they're at. And so I'll be adding that third episode in. Uh, the two masterminds, I just love those more than anything else on the planet. And you know, I'm still um, having fun with the stakes that I have in, in the other companies I've invested in and helping guide those companies as well. It's it's amazing. And and I'm obviously, uh, listeners know that I'm in the For the Love of Money Elite Mastermind. And it's been a game changer in how I expand my network, but also create the collaboration that I feel, you know, top achievers in their field can do when they're actually in the room together. You know, one of the... Go ahead. I was just going to say, the way you show up in that room and the way that you collaborate is like the most beautiful example of how everybody needs to show up in a room and add value and and network. You are like the beacon of that. So I'm, I'm just so glad when I see you in there setting that example. You guys are too sweet. It's it's something that um, I think I was in my cultural background. Like it's all about connection and like sharing a meal and and having a conversation. But then also like how can I serve? Like I definitely have that heart of service, and I don't know how to turn it off. So that's what you get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So I appreciate that um, recognition, actually, because you know when you're in your own world and you're just in the doing, I love the space that you create and be able to show up in my authentic self. You know, it's it's not many spaces can you go into and have that feeling walking out. No matter how confident you are about yourself, it is really about the energy exchange. And so yeah. both of you create that in your environments because you've you've witnessed when it's not there. And it's also in your heart, like you two and the the hugs I get when we see each other and like, you know, the the way that we just laugh and connect, that's what matters, you know, and, and it comes out in every single business that you've launched, which is also why I want to share you with the folks listening, because I feel like they need to know that if they have that calling within them, they need to find the method to go after it and invest in getting into the room that will help them up level. I know both of you have invested in yourselves to get to this place, like over half a million over time, I believe you both have said. Oh, yeah, more than that. Maybe more yeah, than that. Yeah. Than yeah. But it comes back tenfold when you invest in yourself <laughs> that way. And I think it, and, and it doesn't have to be that much out the gate, right? I don't want to set the wrong standards for folks, but it's, it's really important to invest in getting into that next level of who you want to be in this world. And I love that you guys are walking examples of it because you help so many also achieve their greatness. And, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate it. And before we close out today, because I know um, we have a, you have a call and I don't want to keep you, but I love that we shared this moment. Of course, I'll have you back on for whatever conversation you want to have on my show. But I really love to ask this question. So if each of you can define what a badass means to you, that would be awesome. Oh, Ooh, I love okay. it. Um, I'm going to use my favorite word, which is unapologetic. You know, a, a badass is unapologetic about their vision, about what they think is important, about who's coming along with them. Um, and they're not going to let the small things and the small minds affect mm-hmm. them long term. Now, notice I say long term. Every badass can get dented. Every badass can have a bad hour or a bad day, but they get right back in there because they're so unapologetically married to their vision and they're going with or without you. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that was such a good definition. Um, <laughs> so much of it is exactly mine too. A badass is somebody who is willing to walk alone, to not be liked, to do whatever it takes to bring out what their authentic truth for that morning is, like literally for that day. Because what may have felt to be your truth and felt right the day before, even if you proclaimed it to the world on social media, maybe you started a business, if it's not a fit and you know it and you wake up and it's not, a badass is somebody who can literally say, I'm not doing that anymore. I realized it's not a fit. Um, or this is not how I feel anymore. I had a perspective shift. I met someone, I, I, you know, I gained empathy overnight, whatever that looks like. It's, it's the ability to bring forward your truth for that day, no matter what the consequence. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Chris and Lori, for joining me today and sharing just a small part of the big life you both have. And I know our listeners will be reaching out and asking questions and connecting with you. But really, thank you for making the time. No, uh, right back at you, Corrine. We appreciate it so much. We love, love, love what you're doing and the way you show up in the world. So any chance we ever get to chat with you, we're totally down. Yes, thank you so much. I just want to say anytime anyone invites us and trusts us in their audience, like that's such a huge honor. So thank you for having us on your show. Thank you for joining me today. Before you move on to the next episode, please post a review or share this episode with someone you think would appreciate it. Your feedback and support mean everything to me. For more information, check out 
yourbadassjourney.com or kareenwalsh.com. I truly believe everyone is capable of living a badass life. Thank you for listening.